So this month, October, has been so incredibly busy, and I'm convinced that October is the busiest month of the, of the year if you have school-aged children. Anybody out there say amen to that? So if you have a kid that sings, well, there's going to be a choir concert. And there's also going to be a UIL competition. Band kids call this month Bandtober because there's a competition every single weekend, and they still have to be at the school for these early 6.30 a.m. practices as well as after school. It's just nonstop. And if you're an athlete, obviously there's so much going on with the spring season coming to a close. And then add on top of that, Major League Baseball playoffs. Go Braves! I'm pretty excited about that. I am very glad that they are playing the Astros. So we will have some fun together over the next few weeks. If the Apostle Paul was to be identified with one month of the calendar, it would be the month of October. Many reasons. It's, he's so present. There's so much going on in every one of his letters. But as you look through the language that he even uses, it is very apparent to me that he was a competitor. He uses words like, he uses phrases like, be careful when you are coming up against your opponents. He says, I want you to run the race as if to win the prize. Paul had to have been some type of athlete, most likely a runner. When we have been looking at the book of Philippians over the past three weeks, we have seen how Paul is telling us we need to compete at this doing faith thing. And the first thing is side by side. Did you see the two children bring the candle up? I didn't even have to tee them up. They just did that naturally. Walking up side by side. We don't do this with one person in front and one person behind. We do it together. And we don't do this in the way that the world tells us to do this faith thing. We do this with a certain attitude. And it's an attitude of humility where we are bonded together by the Spirit of Christ. Today, we're going to continue looking at Paul's letter to the Philippians. And he is going to tell us how important it is that all of us, everybody in the faith community, is all in towards a common goal. As we prepare to hear God's word, will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, it is only by your strength, it is only by your wisdom, your vision, that the word can be even heard. And so I pray for each of us today that your word would mysteriously penetrate our hearts. And whatever it is that we are needing in our life today, that that word would be heard. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So we'll turn to Philippians chapter 3. And as I read this, I want you to really consider the images that Paul uses to describe this particular part of the Christian faith. Hear now the word of our Lord. He says, not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus 
has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of Christ Jesus. Let those of us then who are mature be of the same mind. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Did y'all notice all those words that Paul used? As I read this again, today and during this past week, I thought to myself, I really need to talk to somebody who really knows what endurance is about. Because when I read the scripture, all I, all I feel is like I have to go, press, attain, go forward, move forward. And I remembered that one of the girls in my young adult Bible study is engaged to a self-identified endurance athlete. Did you know that that's like an actual thing you can put on your LinkedIn profile? Endurance athlete. This guy's name's Kyle. He's engaged to one of our young adults. He is a ultra marathoner, which means, in case you didn't know, it, does, it means that they run like 50 to 100 miles in one race. Not like maybe some of our goals is to do 50 in a couple of years. Like this is one one race, 50 to 100 miles. And so I call him up and I'm thinking, if anybody knows about endurance, it's going to be Kyle Kerrigan. And so one of the cool things that he told me about this sport is that you never do the same trail twice, even if it's in the same location. I assumed that these ultramarathoners ran on asphalt, like throughout cities. But no, Kyle said they are on trails. They are up in mountains. They are running through rivers and through forests. Every single race is like this adventure. It's not what I had pictured. So I, as I imagine him preparing for this race, I said, do you set goals? And he said, oh, you have to set goals. Goals are literally what keep you going. Well, what did you assume, like I did, that the number one goal for an endurance athlete is. Finish the race. That's not the goal. He said, without a doubt, number one goal is to not get injured. The number two goal, very close second, is to be present in the race. Because if you're not present, you could miss out on something beautiful, some vista something that you see, and a distant, audacious, very last goal is to finish. So many things that he said in our conversation, I thought, oh my gosh, this is so much like the Christian faith. This is so much like the Apostle Paul talking in this passage. So I'm assuming that all of us in here set goals. We set them for our work, for our children, for ourselves. Do we have a goal, a common goal, that we are all in as followers of Christ? We do. We have one. And you could put it in a, hundreds of different fashions, but the bottom, life, the bottom line of a goal of a Christian involves that word Christ and just means to follow Christ. That's our goal, to be like Christ, to serve like Christ, to love like Christ loved. This is our ultimate goal. 
The Apostle Paul, in verse 14, he says, I press on toward the goal. The word that's used for goal fascinates me. It's scopos. Scope, like a telescope. It's something that when you look through it, you're able to see further out in front of you what there is. And when you look out, it narrows it in so you know where it is that you are headed. Picture this. Picture being able to look through a telescope and see far out in front of you a distant mark. So you know what is in front of you. The goal or the end of what is in view. This is what Paul tells us that we have. We are towards a common scope. I hope you know that at WHPC, we specifically have put this into words. And I say it every week, and many of you probably know it by heart, but this is our scope. Our scope is that we would invite people into God's larger story as we follow Christ together. But this is what I don't say every week, is that in order for us to be the most faithful community of faith, the, the, the most faithful congregation, the most Christ-like church, every one of us has to be all in to this. Every one of us has to realize that we are all in towards this goal. Next week, we're going to talk the specifics about what it would look like to live this out. But in order for us to remain faithful to what the text says today, I think the text points us towards some things we need to realize are facts, are truths about when a body of believers says they're going to be towards a common goal. And without a doubt, the number one fact we need to realize is that it involves resistance. It involves something coming up against. Paul writes that we are pressing on towards the goal. I wish that it said we are like sliding into the goal. You know, that we're like, like spa, spaing in to the goal. Like that it was going to be this thing you just kind of like scoot over and we've arrived, we're there. The word that he uses for press is the same word Jesus uses all throughout the Gospels for persecute. It literally indicates that when you are going towards this goal of being like Christ, you are going to have resistance. There is going to be something pressing up against you. Jesus said it. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world, he said. I truly believe with every fiber of my being that following Jesus is the best way to live life, a life that is filled with peace and love and joy. But on, on the same, in the same breath, I could, see, I could also say it means that I will have resistance to living that life. Pressing on towards a common goal, one of the facts we need to realize is that it, it will involve resistance. Do you know what my, my new running friend Kyle said is his biggest obstacle? When he's running those races, his mind, he said he wants to quit 51% of the time. Can you imagine? More than not, he is having to fight, not wanting to press on. And so I said, what keeps you from quitting? Think about hour after hour after hour of running. And one out of every two seconds, you're wanting to quit. And he said, oh, it's the goals. 
the goals make me not want to quit. Because I remember, number one goal, don't get injured. And if I don't want to get injured, then I have to be present in that moment he said, you know, if I know that my heart rate needs to get lowered because I can tell and I'm paying attention, that means I have to walk. If all of a sudden my mood changes and I'm irritable and frustrated and I'm wanting to quit too badly, I need to pay attention and wonder, I might just need some food. I might just need some water. So consider this, friends. If we know that the goal of the Christian life is to serve Christ, to be like Christ, and we know that this will involve resistance. These are truths from Scripture. How do we deal with life when resistance comes? Do we numb out by substance or by Ted Lasso? My thing is to sleep. Do you sleep? Do you call a friend? Or the, the easiest yet most debilitating do you just stuff it down and act like everything is just fine? What would it look like if we as Christians, when we are pressed, when life is pushing down on us, when we're feeling that resistance, if we were to like my, to like my friend Kyle, we were to pay attention to it and stop. When our mood continues to be irritated and frustrated and overwhelmed day after day, do we say, what is it that I really need that I'm not getting? Do we take time to listen to the Spirit and to read God's Word and to go to the source that really is the only place that can provide us what we need for the race that is ahead of us? The second thing that we have to acknowledge when we're doing this towards a goal thing, in addition to that it's going to have resistance, is that we cannot let our past keep us from our goals. The image that I get is um, the bungee run. Do you, do you all, have you all been on this? This is an is a inflatable game where you are attached to a bungee cord behind you and you are trying to strain forward to put your marker on the Velcro. The whole while, there is something pulling literally your gut back at you. And if you lose your footing, this is what happens. Do you see? You, it's, you are whiplashed back to that spot. I imagine as Paul wrote the words, forget what is behind, that he was willing himself to say those words. Here was a man who not only witnessed brutal, brutal murders of people that called themselves Christ followers, but he authorized them. He made them happen. And then he has this sudden conversion experience on the road to Emmaus, and every single day since then, he has now been experiencing the same resistance. And he's telling the Philippians, you've got to forget what lies behind, because if you don't, it's literally going to try to snap you back. It's going to try to prevent you from moving forward. See, because of Jesus, we don't have a bungee cord tied to us. We are free from that. We are free from the past. We need to move forward. I wonder if you ever get stuck 
by what's happened in the past. When our boys were six, five, and three, there was this one weekend that had been stress-free. And I remember no major fights had happened between parents or children or all of us. And it was Sunday afternoon, and I said, Charlie, we should go out to dinner. Because we never went out to dinner. I mean, like, you maybe went to Chick-fil-A and kind of ventured there, but you weren't going to take three boys, six and under, out to eat. But this had been such a good weekend. So we went to Buffalo Wild Wings. And um, I remember, y'all, I just, it's so incredibly clear. I sat there in the booth and Charlie sat across from me and Elijah was sitting here eating fries and the other two boys had asked us if they could go play some of the video games. Well, we didn't realize that the video games they were playing were actually on top of the bar and they're more like gambling slot machines. (laughs) So one of them comes back and says, can we have some coins? And we're like, no, we're not giving you coins but just didn't really think anything of it. A couple minutes pass. We're just enjoying our perfect dinner. And then this woman comes up, and she's so angry. You can tell she's real angry. And then I can also tell that she is extremely inebriated. And she says, are you the parents of those bastards? I did what Emily Wright does in moments like that. I put my head down, I grabbed my child, and I left. (laughs) Charlie begins to leave and then says, no. And he turns and he has a word with the woman. Uh, To this day, I still don't know what he said. But this is what I want you all to know about that moment. I was so shackled by that shame. We didn't go out to eat for years. Because I didn't want to feel that shame again. We missed out on so many dinner parties and, and invites out because all I had, I had that bungee cord pulling me back. Not, I lived in the past. I was not able to forget what lied behind. The resistance that came in me, I let that win. I wonder if any of us are doing that now, letting the past dictate. I asked Kyle how important it was to him when he was running to have someone with him. Did it matter? And he said, you know, actually, most of us are running the race by ourselves, except for a few times. He said, it's really important to have someone with you at the end for the final push. He said, the reason that you're able to run by yourself and keep going is because you know in only a few miles there's going to be another aid station. And my friends and my family are going to be there waiting for me, telling me to stop, giving me the food and water that I need. And he said, and most importantly, every single one of these races has a climb. And he means like climbing a mountain. You have to walk. And he said, this is what he said, when you get to the climb, you want to be able to look at somebody that you just met and they can validate, this is really hard. This climb is really hard. Friends, I want you to know that as a community of faith here, this is something that we have with each other. 
that at the, at the final, at those difficult moments when you need a push, someone here will help give that to you. At any time that you are feeling like this is a crisis, that I need an aid station, that there are people here that will stop with you, that will sit with you, and will see what it is that you need. And most importantly, friends, when you are on the difficult climbs of life, I pray that someone in this community of faith will tell you, this really is hard, but you are not alone. Because we are all in. We are all in together towards this common goal of the heavenly call of Christ Jesus. May it be so in my life and in yours. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, I wish that it wasn't so resistant. I wish that this life of faith wasn't, didn't involve climbs or difficult times. But I am grateful that you have given us a common goal to work towards and that there is nothing that you are asking of us that you have not already done yourself. And I pray that gives us comfort and courage this day. And I pray for those in this space that need an aid station today, that need a friend to run with them for the final push, that need someone to validate the difficult climb they are on. And I pray that they would be able to find it. We love you in Christ's name. Amen.